the way like every deposit is handled by the consensus node. And I was curious like whether they somehow protect from, from that in, in their contracts. And there was no, nothing. Yeah, that su surprised me that actually that thing is not handled by Lido. And in their case, it was not as a big problem because they anyways have trusted node operators. Of course, if you get into the trusted node operator set, then you can execute that attack as well. But in case of the rocket pool, as because it was decentralized from the infrastructure perspective, anyone can run the infrastructure because you don't need to get through that gateway of, let's say, DAO proposal, and then you can do something new. I'm Rudy Dogum, and this is Awesome Crypto. Here, I speak with crypto experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs to find out what personally led them to the path of cryptocurrency. I guess the Stakewise team is here with me, and we have a lot of exciting stuff to talk about. But yeah, again, thank you so much for joining. Our pleasure, and thank you for inviting us. Of course. It's the second time having Kiri on today, and the first time having Dimi, the co-founders of Stakewise, working together for a long time, and I got curious beginning journey stories and you can definitely listen to that on my previous episodes so i want to start with Demi and your story of how you even heard about cryptocurrency where were you before even hearing about it right um uh, i were at uni uh, when i first heard about crypto uh, my first like bachelor's degree was in computer science and uh, there were like some additional uh, courses that you could take and I always were interested in cryptography uh, part so we had a really cool cryptography guy at the uni who was always like like coding we're like coding ID cards um, like basically learning how Bitcoin works so at that time I already felt like yeah it sounds very interesting but I was stupid it was I think like <laughs> 2016 or something and I was like yeah it's interesting but I probably won't get into this but later, um, yeah, I, uh, I've got like some problems with my bank. So basically for some reason, uh, like bank froze my money. Uh, and I was like, wow, so basically I'm <laughs> for some reason yeah. we don't know yet. <laughs> it was, I think it was some, like, uh, I didn't pay for some, something and, and then they just like froze it for, for like. A week or so and it was like very annoying uh i was thinking like okay i'm saving my money and now like it's so easy to kind of uh get it and and just uh, fr freeze it for some time so that what kind of pisses me off and and then i was looking into like okay what what are the alternatives to uh store your savings and and uh go back to crypto basically and and once i started to read more about that i was more interested in like how how is like, like everyone tells like, yeah, you, you own, like you have the full control over your funds when you are uh, in crypto. Uh, but I was more curious from the technical perspective, like why, why, what protects uh, yeah. users from, let's say someone stealing, stealing their money. And, and this way I like, uh, like, yeah, I started to, to look into that. Then I had a master's degree um, in uh, security and cryptography and, I was like doing a master's in, in blockchain basically. So started yes. to get more and more into crypto, but of course my full-time job was in IT. I was at that time working at Ericsson in Sweden and, and, um, and, but my hobby project was around Ethereum. So like nice. always was into Ethereum because it's more interesting for the developers. And, uh, later, like once yeah, ETH, uh, like once it was announced that Ethereum is moving to proof of stake. I was getting more into that 
like like triangle ready to build something on top of that so like technology was always something you're interested in like computer science and cryptography just happened to fall on your lap because of your uh, your colleagues at school and did you know Kiri at that time did you guys meet in college we actually know each other like from school uh we were uh studying in the same uh school but in different like in parallel classes uh so uh since then like we were always friends we uh we never like talked about crypto i think before before yeah. snake wise and uh and like the, the Kirill went to uk to study there to live there i was at that time in, in sweden and uh like somehow he came back to Tallinn, like maybe he can talk more about that. And then I moved to Tallinn as well. And then we started to work together on Stakewise. So Kiri, were you, I guess, were you guys close together, like just chatting every day, reading group messages or friend groups together? You kind of just separated after college and then all of a sudden you came back together when you, like how, how, how did you guys reunite like that? Yeah, um, it's an interesting story. Um, so a little bit of, let's say backstory is that we were studying in the same, at the same high school since like the first grade. And then Dimi transferred to another school where um, he was studying with one of my best friends uh, as well. And so even though he transferred, we like, we were acquainted, but once he started hanging out with the clique there, at the high school, we kind of started chatting as well and became friends. And so, yeah, I think it uh, it was always a kind of like on and off in terms of how often we like met up and communicated. And obviously we went our separate ways, um, Dima to Sweden and I went to England, but then we reconnected because of that, that mutual friend uh, who suggested uh, we should work on crypto specifically together. Uh-huh. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, interestingly enough, this person is now with us also at Stakewise. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a group of friends who are like, all right, we love crypto. We're all pretty smart people who know how to use the computer like in cryptography. It's a, it's a good match. And it's funny how like you all had a small interest in it, but were any of you like having entrepreneurial fire inside of you? Like, out, of, out of school, I just want to start a business. This is what I want to do. Is Or was it like kind of just something you had to do as you figured it out? I think there's always an aspiration in kind of like our friends group to um, make sure you're like financially independent or, you know, you're, you're on a business or you do something on, on your own. And I think just, you know, it, it was only reinforced by the experiences that, that I had, let's say, at my um, at the company I worked for, which was an asset management firm here in Estonia. And, and also Dima felt at Ericsson um, mm. that the there's this kind of like this career progression that you must follow. Uh, you cannot like go above the glass ceiling in terms of promotions. And of course, if you want to put in more hours, it's unlikely that you're going to be properly compensated for it. So it just typically calls for some sort of hobby projects and like some side hustles that you start doing. Um, and yeah, I think uh, crypto at, at, at that time and, and even today is, uh, um, essentially a very rewarding field, both intellectually and uh, like how much you can achieve, uh, like simply being present in the space and being involved in the building of new tech. So with a bright mind like Dima, uh, basically from the tech perspective, uh, 
it, it just opened a lot of doors, I think. And I, I, I try to always sort of uh, amplify that with whatever commercial acumen I had. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you fake it till you make it type of thing, but it's always like every entrepreneur you speak to, it's like, how'd you learn? Well, I learned along the way. There is no other way. Like I, you can go to school, you can have friends teach you and help you out. Sure. But you just, there's really one way to learn. It's get You get your hands dirty and figure it out. Um, yeah. But then again, also like as much as I guess starting this up takes entrepreneurship, it's also a lot about like how, how passionate people in crypto are about uh, essentially new projects, uh, getting involved in some sort of community and uh, trying out new things and, and like seeking out these services themselves. Uh, I would say that um, it may have started off as something of like a, you know, a, a business idea or like a business fire, but then it, it pretty quickly grew into just an understanding that we're, we're like a, a much broader organization than, than, you know, the, the team that develop develops stakewise. It's okay. actually uh, like the DAO that's, that's got thousands of members and the uh, people's contributions that, that sort of play into stakewise that plays a more significant role, just like from one day to another. Uh, so it's actually pretty cool to be sort of at the epicenter of this and, and know like where we started from and where we're at today in that regard. Exactly. And was stake, well, I guess was staking the first thing you wanted to work on, or did you have other crypto ideas that you want, that you were planning on first? Yeah, I, guess, uh, I can, I, yeah, I can tell yeah. more like about that. So. Like, uh, like basically initially I was like doing some, some other projects, like, uh, trying to build some, something cool. Uh, like for example, there was like, a, some sort of like crypto lottery was the first thing there was like also like a project called pull together, but in a bit different, uh, way, what is, what was built. But then like once proof of stake was announced, I really wanted to become like a validator myself. And at that time you had to have like 1000 ether to become validated. So that what created the problem for me because yeah, I need to have like 1000 ether. How do I get a, become a validator without having it? So it's naturally like the idea of pooling came in here. So like the initial, like the, the way stakewise, like yeah, the first idea of stakewise was just to solve the problem for myself to kind of become a validator, find other people who would like to cooperate, like pull, put funds together. How do we do that in a trustless manner? Okay, let's build like a smart contract for that to do that. So basically, um, that was like the initial uh, phase of Stakewise. And, and later already by looking into, there is like DeFi part of it. So you can actually not only stake, but you can also utilize some other projects out there. Um, so that way we already together with Kuro, we started to uh, uh, like turning it just from, let's say, pulling the funds together and running the infrastructure to more um, a liquid staking protocol where you already have like a token um, and uh, you can utilize that in DeFi. And funny is that now we're like, first we started like poor infrastructure plus some smart contracts. Then it was more and more like smart contracts, but still infrastructure. But now we are like moving almost like fully into the, just the liquid staking part. So previously what was just an addition to our product become became like a main product or let's say the main thing we're uh, 
working on uh, right now. So it's just like interesting transition. And for Kiri, when uh, Dima was telling you about this idea, was it making perfect sense to you? Were like, yes, yes, we have to work on this. We have to build this. Or were you like, I'm not really sure what you're talking about, but I, but I trust you, man. Like, we'll, we'll get this done together. Um, no, I think to me, it made a lot of sense. Um, and one of the bigger questions that, you know, we, I think, discussed in the very first time when, when Dima mentioned Stakewise is how to make sure that the um, that, that people can exit and enter into staking without lockups. And we discussed a mechanism that would involve essentially shares of the validator, which are, you know, uh, tokens. Uh, in the very first uh, discussion, but we, we kind of uh, at first decided to not so let's say move in that direction and polish off the sort of infrastructure part. And then this, this, uh, sort of was like, this idea was, uh, brought back to the table by, uh, let's say more innovation happening in the DeFi space, uh, with the, let's say the, the DeFi infrastructure emerging that would support the exchange of, uh, like tokens of this kind and incentive structures that would support liquidity for them and so forth. So, uh, whereas, you know, before it was essentially like a technical, like, like a technical concept that we, you know, thought of, but didn't really, um, let's say see a, a, like appropriate ways to implement it. And, and let's say, didn't see how practically it could work. Suddenly it started having way more sense than, than before. And, uh, that's, you know, how we arrived at the liquid staking part in the end. Mm -hmm. And so that, that was all in the, yeah, V1 that this is part of V2 currently, correct? That liquid staking, I know we'll talk more about V3 in a bit. Um, but you know, building this out, I have to ask, like, how do you feel about like asking people to trust you with their staking? It's, it's a lot of, I mean, I'm nervous staking myself like, at home, like trusting myself to send myself money. So it's like, how do you feel so uh, confident in saying, okay, don't worry, send us money. We'll make sure it's staked properly and you have full credentials and guaranteed good to go. Well, um, it, yeah, yeah, Dima, you go. Yeah, it's just just funny. There's like a quote that says, uh, if you are building something in crypto and you, you, haven't, you haven't been called scam yet, like yet, keep writing, you're going to get there. So <laughs> it's like always initially, like I remember first times we announced like stakewise it was like almost like there were a lot of uh, uh people who probably like didn't know about us uh they were saying like we're a scam project we're building something something i don't know shady and uh and it was like you have to you had to always like kind of prove that no actually there is a tech behind we're actually building a real product it's not like uh some scam product there um but but of course, it's also like just with the time when you uh, like some users join, they uh, check, like they basically verify that, yeah, this is the working product. They check the for the audits uh, and some other like important things, like, for example, growing community in Discord as well, then um, kind of gives more trust to the to the project that there is a. Uh, uh, already a community there is already a tech that is audited and is working for uh quite some time so there is like that trust i think in crypto like in mo in most cases it comes with the time so the longer project stands 
the time, the the more trust it gains from from the users. Yeah, makes sense. And, and I would maybe maybe add that um, the idea with crypto, or at least crypto projects, is that you don't actually have to trust anyone, right? So what you what you need to have is some sort of awareness of how security contracts are, and uh, you know, ideally have confidence. Most people can't have that because they don't know Solidity. Uh, so they need to rely on, let's say, lindiness like Bima mentioned, as well as uh, the smart contract audits and you know reputation and and so forth. So um, in terms of attracting people into the protocol, I think yeah, trust is important, but uh, the actual like management of funds within the protocol doesn't really require trust, which is you know how we prefer it, <laughs> because yeah, like you mentioned. Um, if there were a component that depended directly on us, like some sort of, uh, I don't know, uh, function we could call to uh, send money from one place to another, I wouldn't be able to sleep well at night knowing that, you know, uh, something could happen to those funds. I'd rather it, it be handled by smart contracts. And I think also with liquid staking, we are uh, fortunate to have a, a relatively limited, uh, let's say, angle of attack on the protocol, uh, mm-hmm. which which would predominantly come through um, oracles, if if it were to come, be, like there's no money that's stored in a contract that you know could be ex- exploited using a flash loan or something like this. So um, there's actually you know a, a very limited number of ways which you can in which you can attack uh, a liquid staking protocol, and uh, yeah, I think it also has some some more safety, at least, uh, you know, to me, so I can sleep okay at night. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you're right, because that's the beautiful thing of crypto and decentralization and smart contracts. You can view it yourself. You can audit it yourself. If you don't know how to audit, you hopefully have a person that you know online or a team that you can trust that does the audit and can re- reply back saying, yeah, this is a trustworthy contract. And instance of that, which is a perfect thing, is like when Adima found the rocket pool bug in their smart contract and like you're, they're a competitor, but Lido hey, well. like, what's that? Uh, Lido as well. I think most of the protocols had that um, until until it was discovered. And exactly. And it's like you have this information and to be a good standing citizen of crypto, you report it and tell the team to fix it. So. Like, how was that experience Dima, when you, like, how did you first find it? First off, like, what were you doing? And yeah. what were your first gut feeling? Screwing around yeah, and finding it's... it. <laughs> it was, it was like, actually, yeah, I think it was more by accident because like at that time uh, we were moving. So like the first version of Stakewise was just us being a node operator and people staking. Uh, we are, we're running the infra, uh, like they, they are staking to the contract, they get a token, but all the infrastructure part is handled by us. So the V2 part was where we introduced other node operators into the system. So uh, there are different uh, companies that work with uh, infrastructure, uh, staking, and uh, they are like, they were looking or they were interested in joining the stakewise protocol to uh, provide infrastructure and and run the other. So it become became like more decentralized from let's say single infrastructure provider to multiple uh, infrastructure provider providers. 
very similar to the way uh, Lido works right now. So, and when I was working on that part, I was interested in, let's say, how do they solve like different problems? Because um, at that time, like, yeah, so there was like a very interesting part in the Ethereum uh, specs. Uh, that's the way like every deposit is handled by the consensus node. And I was curious, like whether they somehow protect from, from that in, in their contracts. And there was not nothing. So basically I was um, like, yeah, that su surprised me that actually that thing is not handled by Lido. And in their case, it was not as a big problem because um, they anyways have trusted node operators. Um, mm -hmm. And of course, if you get into the trusted node operator set, then you can execute that attack as well. But, um, but in case of the rocket pool, as because it was decentralized from the infrastructure perspective, anyone can run the infrastructure, it was more of the problem because you don't need to get through that gateway of, let's say, DAO proposal, where like first you are approved into the protocol and then you can do something malicious. In their case, you don't need to get an approval, you can execute it right away. And, um, and yeah, so for, for that, in their case, it's like for every 16 Ether that you deposit, um, you get double of that back by executing that attack. So you basically double your uh, Ether amounts for every like 16 Ether. Wow. And that would have been, yeah, it's definitely a way like I can get rich really quickly if this goes out and I don't say anything, or I can be an honest person and reveal it. So definitely a big thank you for being an honest, good person. This is why I trust Stakewise. Um, and I'm excited for what you're building. So I think, I think actually rocket pool made like a pull app for Stakewise saving rocket pool. Yeah. It's pretty funny. And that's like the fun part. It's like a lot of good camaraderie, got a good, uh, community between the two and just like what you want to see more of in the Ethereum spaces, like people working together to build together because if we all succeed, then that's great. Everyone wins. We don't want to drown everyone else out. Um, now that you're in this community doing you know, wholesome events, what is a crypto pet peeve you have, Dima? Sorry, what? Didn't, didn't get that question. Uh, what, is a, what is a crypto pet peeve? Something in the crypto space that kind of just like pisses you off. It's like annoying and uh, oh. shouldn't, it shouldn't be there. Uh, I think all the hacks that are happening, <laughs> I think they are like very, very annoying. And, uh, and I think it really harms our industry um, because like... Um, there are like with every hack, there is portion of users that just uh, leave crypto because they lost funds. They don't believe in that or they are afraid of losing more. So um, I think that's something that uh, we like as a crypto community must definitely solve by like, yeah, by different means, either uh, constraining the security part for all the protocols that go out uh, or building tools that provide better um, like testing and uh, make sure that the contracts are written well and um, and maybe and yeah and also like whenever there is some any protocol has a pro problem uh, it should be like collaborative uh, approach here to help to do as like as much as we can to kind of keep it live and not make it lose funds yeah. and yeah, I mean, you're and you, Kiri, and the whole Stakewise team is working together, but you're in the office together almost every day, right? So, Kiri, how, how do you and Dima keep a strong relationship and working together and not want to rip each other's heads off sometimes? Um, 
So I think actually <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a pretty I don't know I, I don't even uh, bother like I'm I'm not bothered at all about like having Dima present or like it doesn't seem like Dima is particularly bothered by my presence. Uh, I think we did have this this period of like uh, growing into working with each other because mm -hmm. our approaches to working are uh, at least in the beginning were a little different. Um, I prefer to do things quicker, uh, less clean, but basically like do do something to just keep going. And Dima's approach was more like uh, like calculated, like um, you know, better, slower, but uh, you know, cleaner and uh, sort of aim for uh, aim for the jugular and so forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we kind of managed to find, I think, by now this uh, sort of hybrid approach where we differentiate between you know things that we can do quickly and uh, which don't require much, um, basically, deliberation and uh, decision making. And then things that should be approached more carefully and uh, should be uh, achieved, uh, you know, like over time. But but uh, you know, definitely, you know, find find an approach that will definitely work. And uh, yeah, I think ever since we we managed to find this this kind of common ground, um, it, it doesn't uh, like I'm not like I'm actually enjoying the fact that I can work with one of my like best friends in the office. Uh, I think Dima is the person that I spent the most time with <laughs> for the past three years by far out of anyone I know. Uh, and it doesn't bother me at all. Um, I, I learned from this, from this uh, guy a lot. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good sort of working relationship, but also it's a good friendship. That's awesome. And that's like, we love to hear because there's nothing better than that. You have your best friend with you and you're working together to make an awesome product that is a future of Ethereum proof of stake and making staking easy for everyone. So as like, you know, we spoke Yankiri about last year, I think that Stakewise V2 was up and coming, kind of new and kind of growing as a, as a community. And now you're here today, still growing strong, still developing, implementing Shanghai race coming up for Ethereum. Stakewise V3 is coming up soon. Can you and uh, I guess Dima give a little bit of what to expect from Shanghai and then what does that mean for Stakewise V3? Yeah, I can probably take the Shanghai questions. Um, so first of all, Shanghai is a massive uh, event for Ethereum that everyone was waiting for ever since we launched the Beacon Chain. So uh, whereas it was previously expected to land in like a year or a year and a half, we're now, uh, what, two years and, and four months out uh, from, no, even five months out uh, from that initial launch. And uh, we still are not, uh, you know, we haven't seen Shanghai yet, but it's uh, within close reach. Uh, and so, yeah, it's the moment when people can finally withdraw funds from validators and do partial withdrawals, which means that rewards become uh, more or less liquid uh, every week. And so, yeah, two things from that. Obviously, people will, will finally have the ability to, you know, unstake from their nodes and do whatever they want with their ETH. And, uh, you know, there are various consequences of that. And second, you know, it, there's a big impact on the liquid staking market in terms of how it impacts the, the liquid staking tokens. Many of them have been trading at, uh, you know, 
at, at, at discounts for some period of time, just for the past two years. Um, recently, they're mostly at peg with the expectation that Shanghai is around the corner. But yeah, I think the first consequence of Shanghai is that we're going to see stronger pegs, but not necessarily perfect pegs during periods of market volatility. Um, there's still going to be reliance on liquidity in the market, specifically for such periods. And uh, yeah, we might not see, um, let's say, perfect pegs all the time. Nevertheless, I think everyone will be trading closer, much closer to par. Uh, second impact is that there's going to be restaking just natively. Uh, so re rewards flowing from validators will be used to spin up more validators for the for, for you know respective protocols. And so people who previously thought that you know their token, the single token, is compounding rewards, you know it initially didn't um, compound anything. Now it will. So I think the APRs are going to be, you know, ever so slightly like higher uh, going forward. And yeah, in terms of market structure, it's still up to debate. Uh, I mean, I have my personal opinion about uh, how it's going to shape up. It just seems like with different market, new marketplaces coming to the liquid staking uh, industry, we will have lots of competition uh, for, uh, let's say this, this, uh, new wave of, of staking. Uh, but at the same time, the sort of juggernauts like Coinbase and Lido are, in my opinion, kind of unlikely to lose their, their dominance. Uh, at the same time, I think it's now sort of everyone's consensus that we need to have more decentralization in Ethereum, especially with like the regulatory stuff that's coming out of the US. It feels like the, the fewer eggs you keep in one basket, the better. Uh, mm -hmm. And so it's good to have protocols like Rocket Pool, Stakewise, Free, you know, Diva, Stater, etc., all focusing on how to bring more people who stay from home into the staking game. At the same time, you know, there's always a question. Well, sure, technology is there. How are you going to achieve adoption of it? Uh, seems like everyone is going for, you know, how to change the Rocket Pool's model to make it more scalable, which is fair enough. You just goes to say that they came up with something good, but we also think that there's a, a completely um, another way to do things, which is stakewise, with free permissionless participation and in, in uh, running nodes for the, like for, for oneself and for others that uh, has a very strong potential to uh, become one of the leading ways to stake, uh, given we do everything right and given people, like given we communicate how to do this to the market. So yeah, there's uh, a lot that's riding on Shanghai, both for uh, just the uh, Ethereum network and for Stakewise specifically. And we're preparing for it with a new product that, that tries to help Ethereum remain decentralized, but also achieves things for, for stakers that were not possible before, like liquid solo staking, like having a liquid staking token that's over collateralized and so forth. Nice. So Dima, with V3 coming out, say I'm a someone who I, I want, I have 32 ETH. Like, what are my options with Stakewise? Yeah, uh, you have many options. <laughs> you have 32 <laughs> ETH. So one is like, like first, I think it really depends on your, uh, on your, let's say, infrastructure. I thinking here, like whether you would like to run your validator yourself or you want to delegate that to someone else. Um, so let's assume you want to run it yourself. You have a lot of 
setups that are already out there that support um, that are building support for Stakewise V3 uh, or already support, for example, like Node. There is already integration out there. And uh, there is also uh, Avado coming up as well with their integration. So there is quite many solutions that you can use that simplify staking for you. If you can just run like a node at home um, and and then like deposit 32 Ether and make it liquid as well. That's something that was not possible before Stakewise V3 where you're actually controlling the Ether you're run, running the node, you're staking Ether to your own nodes, and at the same time, it's uh, you get like a liquid token back that you can utilize in DeFi. So that's something that is unique to E3. But of course, if you don't want to run your infrastructure yourself, um, um, you can either, like it's similar, it's similar to the way, let's say, DAI works in MakerDAO. So... You can either, uh, if you just wanna uh, don't, keep, if you don't wanna mint OSIF, the the liquid token, you can just buy it from the market. So you swap 32 ether to OSIF, and while you hold it, you earn the rewards. So let's say at some point in the future you decided to maybe sell your rewards or uh, let's say withdraw completely, you exchange back your OSIF to ether, but now you get back not like 32 ether, but 32 plus something which is what you have earned while you were holding OSF. So that's one option. And another option for you would be to choose the vaults that you would like to stake to. There, is, there, is, uh, there will be a huge variety of different vaults that you can stake to. They, they have their scoring. There is, let's say, more uh, company, like companies that run staking, um, or there are, um, let's say, stakers, or let's say, not stakers, but just the solo solo nodes that run the, the validators mm-hmm. themselves, or maybe some hybrid sys setups where you have node operator together with solo using like some DVT technology, for example. So you can then stake your 32 Ether across multiple different vaults, let's say, to distribute the risk, and um, and then you mint OSF on top. So that's like third way, the way you can get into staking with uh, 32 ETH. Yeah. And of course, if someone has less than 32, they can participate in the pool yeah. staking. Yeah, it's... exactly. They, they, they can either join like the vaults or they can just buy OSIF and, and stake it this way. Or if they collaborate with some other solo stakers, let's say they can make a group out of, let's say, a certain amount of people, run the, the, node, the nodes uh, using DVT technology, because then you kind of don't risk uh, putting, uh, let's say, someone themselves running the infrastructure. And then you can also, uh, like, mint, mint token on top of it. And that's for, okay, that's for liquid and liquid staking tokens. And then to participate in your DAO, that's where this SYS token, the SYS token comes in. And that's where people can help participate in making proposals and decisions. And how does how does that come into effect? I mean, running a DAO is still recently new and running a DAO for staking protocols also new. And can you go a little more into how the community is, you know, acting, participating, how, how if there's any surprises that have come since releasing a DAO? Yeah. Um, um, cool. You can go, go ahead. if you want. Sure, I'll go for it. Um, so uh, yeah, I guess I'll answer. So first of all, 
running a DAO is um, kind of a misnomer because um, we, yeah, uh, we don't run a DAO. The DAO exists on its own. What we have to do as, as a team is make sure that, you know, in the absence of, let's say, activity, we kind of keep pushing the protocol and the, the product forward. And so far, the way that communication within the DAO has, has been uh, happening is us most of the time um, proposing upgrades to the product and the community debating the various merits of one or another upgrade. So some of the proposals have been shut down. Some of the proposals have been encouraged to go through. And uh, I guess with DAO, we, we always have, you know, our own judgment with regards to how things, you know, could go as a development team, but also we have a big community of stakewise users and Swice token holders who effectively get the final say on whether something that we suggest gets implemented or not. Uh, and this is something that's always in the back of our minds. And uh, therefore, even before we start the conversation, we try to basically keep the, the holders of Swice in, in basically a priority uh, position so that whatever we suggest actually can resonate with them very well. Um, and then in the absence, let's say, of, of, of things that come from us, we see that the DAO members occasionally make proposals on how we should manage the treasury. Let's say whether we should reinvest some of the protocol revenue into, you know, staking or other, other purposes, like for example, I don't know, buying a token on the market uh, and putting it back into the treasury or, uh, using the protocol treasury to buy the tokens of another protocol that helps us control liquidity of another protocol and so forth. And uh, yeah, it's uh, how to put this. At the at the current stage of, of Stakewise, uh, we don't have a lot of this activity, admittedly, but it also is, uh, how to put this, it, it, it has to be cultivated by offering people, um, just like communicating to people uh, that they actually have a say in this, uh, which is, you know, the moment when they start getting involved. Um, there's also a need to have a mission, which kind of has, has, uh, that can resonate with a wider audience. And, um, let's, let's put it this way in, in traditional financial industry, the mission is always, uh, essentially make money, right? So, uh, with, uh, like shares and companies, etc. all the economic activity is driven by the pursuit of profit. So for the DAO, uh, we have found that people uh, are not necessarily interested in, you know, just profit or, you know, profit at all. Most of the people who like have an interest in participating care about, first of all, the community itself. So essentially how to make sure that we not only, you know, stick together, but also grow. Second about um, like whether we, advance the mission of Ethereum, like the broader mission of, let's say, decentralization, permissionlessness, uh, et cetera, further than, you know, when we, than what we start from. And this is actually a big driver for, let's say, many, many new persons joining the DAO today, just based on what Stakewise Free can achieve for the broader ecosystem. And then, of course, the third is, is always like, well, sure, there's governance, sure, there's contributions, to the broader network, but what about, let's say, 
me? What about the economic incentive? Like it's always kind of is somewhere there lurking in the corner, like how do I stakes wise and, and et cetera, et cetera. We don't have answers to these questions, but the community kind of can, can you know, see how we're thinking about these things and, and respond to that. And one of the recent um, conversations we had is, is about the proposal to use wise within stake wise be free as an insurance um, asset, essentially make the whole system more robust with the help of um, SWISE in return for a share of the protocol fees. Like this is, I guess, the, the bigger conversation, like one of the biggest conversations that are happening in, in the StakeWise DAO today. Like what do we do with SWISE and whether it becomes this insurance asset? So yeah, a lot, a lot of, let's say, communication, coordination, and um, processes that, that come with the DAO structure. But ultimately, we feel like... Um, we, we, we are here as, as uh, essentially also participants in the DAO rather than it's, uh, I don't know, leaders or, or, or someone like that. We obviously as a development team have a responsibility to keep pushing forward, uh, like the protocol, keep pushing the protocol forward, but it's, it's more like, um, it's not like a fiduciary duty, if, if you want yeah. to put it this way. It's more the responsibility for uh, just the product itself. It's like... Yeah essentially so that that's that's why we keep keep going with it yeah and having all this responsibility is tough i mean it's not easy it's definitely exciting and you know being together i'm sure it's good motivation for each other helping each other out just talking through decisions and um, ideas but outside of like stake wise outside of crypto uh you know, what, what, what do you guys do? Like Dima, like what, what do you do outside of crypto? If you're not head deep in it 24 seven, which you can easily be, it's not that hard to always be stuck on Twitter or something or discord or coding. What do you do outside of it? Yeah. Um, well, it's actually not so many things because like <laughs> the, the recent months building like the free is just that when you don't code, you just think about just like constantly think of like, how do you do this part? How do you implement this part? How exactly we should do here? It's, it's like always your head is like busy with, uh, with like uh, thinking of different ways of solving all the problems uh, that the protocol has. Um, yeah. Do you feel like you have to sometimes do that though? Like go for a walk just so you can think? Yeah, it's like you you walk, you basically go shower, you, <laughs> I don't know, go to the gym or whatever you do. You're just like, like you, your, your body is doing, but your head is like busy with thinking of like how to solve some part of the protocol. And, uh, always like we, uh, have like long conversations with girl, like of like different ways of, uh, solving some, some problem, um, like, the recent one was like the smoothing pool, for example. There is a lot of things we we do on the on the OSF part, like the overcultureization part as well. So it's like always a lot of design problems you have to solve when you are not like let's say sitting in front of of the PC. Uh, but other than that, of course, like I enjoy um, like because it's like you always uh, like sit. You have to. Uh, have more like physical activity. I enjoy going for for a run, or like going to the gym, um, watching movies, uh, like spending time with uh, relatives and friends. So it's it's uh, yeah. So when when there is a spare hour of doing that, I'm, I'm trying to do that. 
do your friends and family think you're crazy for being in crypto or do they completely understand and support it? Yeah. It's like they, I feel like they start calling me like less and less oh, 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 like often because um, <laughs> like usually when they call me during the day, I'm like, I can't talk. I need to like do something here. I'll call back. And then I'm calling back like at yeah, 11 or 12, like evening and, and, um, and it's, uh, yeah, so I think they are, they probably still like my, my parents, I think they don't still understand what I'm doing actually, uh, for a living. And, and, um, it's, it's really hard to explain them, uh, especially like you, you, they stop understanding on the part where like Ethereum is a cryptocurrency after everything you say after that, it's like, uh, <laughs> they don't get it. But, uh, but yeah, I think like a lot of friends are already just friends and like family, they're just used to that. Uh, is uh yeah they're they're just fine i guess i hope i won't <laughs> lose uh friends by <laughs> stay quiet so. no i hope i hope not too i know i had a similar conversation with kira before explaining to friends and family mostly family like doing the startup journey and getting a hands into crypto i'm like no i'll, I'll be self-sustaining running this business in a very volatile market that you hear on the news that's losing money every day and greening money it's just like trust me i know it's not, it's not just that it's bigger. I know what I'm doing. Uh, it's it's going to be fine. Just let me try. But it's good. I mean, overall, it sounds like you both have good support. No one's holding you back at least. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not. Um, although I must say that, that, you know, sharing with new people that you work in crypto, whenever you meet them that are outside of the crypto bubble is still difficult. Uh, <laughs> not only because it's difficult to explain what you do, but also because of the bad rep that our industry is getting recently. Yeah, it is tough because like now I'm getting phone calls and texts like, oh, what do you think about crypto now? It's happening now. I'm like, it's the same. Nothing changed. It's the centralized entities that are messing everything up. It's the whole point of crypto to be decentralized from these entities. But that goes back to the conversation piece where like it's hard to explain that. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily click until either one, like you're affected by something like that, like bank account frozen, or if you're traveling internationally and you're trying to like change money, it's difficult. Or if you just want to pay someone in a different country without having to wire them and pay fees for that. It's just like, if you're out of your own like econ economy's bubble, you can realize the power of the decentralized global economy with crypto. Certainly. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and I think it's only going, it's, it's only going to grow in importance uh, just judging by how, how, how more dependent we become on like larger organizations to receive a certain service and, and how, let's say, a denial of the service impacts your life mm -hmm. uh, and, and how, how because they can wield more power, they can cut off this access at any point in time without you know, major repercussions. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, having decentralized alternatives is, uh, or maybe not even alternatives as, you know, for the sake of an alternative, but rather just decentralized options is uh is definitely needed exactly and being again being in this industry for so long and like feeling out communities you know going to eat denver must have been fun time like like just being around the crypto scene like dima what is a wholesome crypto moment that you've had as something that's like being in it made you feel good and be proud of the industry um, shanghai i guess <laughs> who made it to shanghai um, uh, I think like in general, the, the, I, I can tell from, 
from let's say a technical perspective the the, the things that that are used in in crypto like um like the smart contracts part let's say the zero knowledge proofs um all the cryptography it's so unique to to the whole like like development like engineering part of it so like it's just completely different thinking it's completely new applications it's new challenges it's uh, i think it's like very unique from that perspective and i'm very proud for uh for our uh ecosystem to use and utilize like more and more uh tools or more and more let's say uh ideas or concepts that before were just like on scientific papers and now we have like libraries around that that's like all the projects can use um and new pro projects are emerging from like using those new concepts and i think it's just i was i was always like thinking okay now we are like we have so many tools that are like unique and and you can use to build new projects now we're probably going to slow down in that terms but actually it's not it's like we, there is always something new um from from let's say the the way like the scientific part of it or um let's say it optimizes the way the the chain works it's just like improves constantly and i'm i think like we will really get to um to the point where ethereum um will be able to scale to like million of transactions per second and um and all these new great technologies will allow us to do that and we will get to the moment where you will be able to run a validator uh on your phone uh have a liquid token through stakewise be free and and be like and we will have all this great ecosystem of defi decentralized projects uh or like any other like decentralized projects that people can trust and hopefully we just reduce them out of uh hacks and and all the let's say like that part uh the centralized part as well uh, of of our ecosystem but i'm very optimistic about the industry and i think um we are still like in early days of it yeah exactly it's well said because it is definitely early and sometimes you just wish people can see it the way you see it and there's not enough words to like explain it sometimes unless you're in it so yeah, it's definitely exciting. Kirill, did you have another wholesome moment that happened between back then and now for yourself? Um, to be honest, um, I've been sitting here and uh, I've been listening to what Dima is saying. And I would probably say that the, the adoption of new tech and how we as an industry innovate towards uh, more permissionlessness, uh, non-custodial solutions, um, absence of censorship, uh, privacy, and so forth are, are perhaps, let's say, the, the biggest drivers for uh, just like myself, not only, you know, the industry. With a lot of the bad rap that's been happening, we're kind of paying for cutting corners to get to the mass market adoption sooner. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, it most of the time involves custody. It most of the time involves... Uh, like trusting people's money to someone that's just like a small group of people in order to make something work smoothly. And um, we have been burned by doing that before with all the traditional sort of financial infrastructure and surprise, surprise, it happened again in crypto. So I'm just 
I'm just, yeah, I'm looking forward to the moment that we, we get to the adoption for the new technology and the existing technology where the, the person that's using it doesn't even recognize, let's say, how powerful it is. They just mm -hmm. can use it without thinking twice that, you know, they need to trust someone. They, they, they may not understand it fully, uh, but we, you know, as an industry come up with products and solutions that abstract away this, this complexity and just give sort of the, the solution to people's needs in a form that, that is powered by all the non-custodial permissionless technology. So I'm really, you know, I'm excited about that. And this is kind of the, the, the wholesome thing about what's happening in crypto that, that keeps me going. Uh, and and the, honestly, if it weren't for that, it would just be difficult to justify, uh, like, why why we still do this. It's, yeah, it's perfect because, you right, it's once you get to know the community, the people behind that are building these amazing projects, it's what I do for a living. It's my podcast. Uh <laughs> It's, it's an amazing community and like the people behind it are what I'm excited about and they're going to continue building people like you and people like just everyone in Ethereum, but there's also other protocols that are trying their best to just make it right with whatever they can. Um, it's exciting and I'm you know, pumped for StakeWise. Thank you so much for joining me. Is there anything that people need to know about StakeWise, what's coming up, what they should get prepped for and where they can find you? Yeah, sure. So... Stakewise, you can find us uh, by either visiting our webpage, which is stakewise.io, or our, our Twitter, which is stakewise underscore io, or our Discord, which is discord.gg slash stakewise. Uh, so that's all fairly simple to find. And uh, yeah, in terms of things that are coming up, it's obviously Stakewise V3, our new product. The public testnet for this will be releasing soon. We... Um, we will not release the protocol before Shanghai, but, uh, you know, once Shanghai happens, there's a lot of stuff that's, that, that will be coming out from our camp. And, uh, yeah, we encourage everyone to make sure that, that they're aware about, the, let's say, the best way to hold their crypto, stake their crypto, and apply their crypto in DeFi, you know, whether stake-wise or not stake-wise. Uh, and, yeah, within our community, we, we not only promote, you know, awareness about this, but also build towards, I guess, a better future, if you want to call it that. So uh, definitely, you know, come join us and uh, see what we got. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, both of you. And I'm on the StakeWise community. I'm in Discord. So if you also want to talk to me, I'll be there. So please join. Yeah, again, thank you, uh, Dimi, for your first time on Wholesome Crypto. Thank you, Kirill, for your second time. Uh, it's a great 50th episode. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. 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 Th